Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. I am your host, Michael Thayer from Waterstone Mortgage. I am MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio today, we have Mr. Chris Corvo from Midtown Title. How are you doing, sir? I am fantastic. Absolutely. How are you doing? Man, hot up in here, man. Jimmy's trying to, I don't know, smoke us out of here, cook us out of here. Yeah, I think it feels great, and everybody else is complaining that it's cold, so, I mean, hot, so, I don't know. The thermostat's hot too smart, man. It's like a smart thermostat. You know, you set it for a certain amount of time, and it's child proof. I've been here like four years. I can't adult figure out proof. how it works. It's adult proof, child proof. It's everything proof. Maybe we can get a window unit in here or something. Yeah, yeah. that might work. <laughs> in the one window that faces Jimmy. <laughs> well, I can blow in Jimmy's face over there. <laughs> Thanks for having me in, though. Absolutely, man. We always love having you on the show. And then, of course, we have Miss Andrew Brewer. I need something really cool like that. (laughs) Yeah, because that's so cool. Uh, Andrew's in the house. I'll tell you why. Me and and Mike are hot because we're the chubby ones. And Chris then went over here and dropped about 20 pounds. And he got all skinny. Now he's cold. He's a little stick man over there, man. Stick man. Hey, you need some meat on them bones. He's the one over there. Coffee or something over here. I'd get warm. I don't know. Right over there doing the, uh, what, the, the mar- not the marathon. Doing some burpees right now as we're on the radio. Shoot. That's all you, man. So. Jimmy, you going to come here and do the burpees with him? Uh, no, I'm going to stay over here in this cool studio that I'm in. <laughs> oh, why does it got to be cool, man? <laughs> because it's a different thermostat over Suck. here. Now, it would be funny if Jimmy was in there with his parka on and gloves, <laughs> and we're looking through the glass window at him, and we're over, you're sweating. over here sweating, yes. and Jimmy's over there blowing in his hands cold. <laughs> like, Jimmy, you suck. So, can we say that on the radio? I don't know. We just did. Okay. FCC violation, I guess. Uh, you, nah, I, don't, I think that's okay. It's all right. Oh, any event. Man. We got a kicking show. I was going to say something else, but I know that's not going to be uh, FCC approved on the show. But, uh, man, if you've missed any of our pre- previous shows, go out to the website, moneymanmike.net. Again, moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio because not only can you download the, re- the recorded shows, you can look at the video because everything is videotaped and we have some outtakes and some bloopers and in between the commercials and... Andra singing and everything else, man. You what don't you, want to see that. Oh, yes, you do want to see that. <laughs> Did I miss something? I don't know. Did, when was that? Which which time? What she was singing before we went on the air. Exactly. Oh, uh, well, that doesn't count. Yes, it does. It wasn't recorded. Uh, not that time wasn't. Oh, God. Anyway, go out to moneymanmike.net. Check it out. Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio. Check out all the old shows and anything you miss, man. But this week, man, we're going to get into some cool stuff. We're going to jump into our lingo stuff. And get into uh, why you want to get pre-approved if you're thinking about buying a house. Why it's so important about getting pre-approved and how you will totally, totally get yourself on the right path and save yourself so much just heartache and distress and just just get pre-approved. And then we're going to talk about the differences in pre-approvals because a lot of people don't understand what's a pre-approval versus an approval. You know, a lot of people, aren't they the same thing? Yeah. People think they are. They do. But I'm approved. What do you mean you need something else? Exactly. So we're going to get into that. And then we're going to get into the epic housage, housing shortage. You know, there's been several things being reported. We're going to get into that a little bit more. So we're going to circle back to the lingo and tap into these pre-approvals. So a lot of people go out and they get pre-approved. And back in the day, it was... Give you your credit, your credit. I mean, uh, give your full name, social security, date of birth, um, 
current mailing address, pull credit, look at your credit scores, plug in whatever you say you make, and what's it look like? Oh, yeah, you look pretty good. Pre-approved. You write this pre-approval letter, boom. Issue it to the realtor, and you guys are off and running. Hey, Andrew, your client can buy $250,000. Yes. Based on what they're making right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Solid, right? I mean, that's that's they're good to go. Yes, exactly. That's what the piece of paper says. Excellent. So that's not true. That's not true. No, no, it's not true. In today's market, you know, especially with Waterstone, we're going to look at their 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 pay stubs, their bank statements, their tax returns because, man, tax returns I've seen too many times where they change a deal and people, if they bought a house, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. They're like, why do you need my pay? Why do you need my pay stubs and my tax returns? See, I got good friends that are all self-employed. I'm self-employed, but I'm at least around the stuff, so I know what 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 to do. But I have so many people that are friends that are self-employed, and they like to write everything off because they don't like paying taxes. That's right. Even though that's the American thing to do is pay your taxes, but they don't want to pay no more than they have to. So they they own their own business, have owned it for a long time, paid their bills, got good credit. But they don't show that they make that much money. Why is that? Why is that such a problem? Well, the problem is, is you take a self-employed person, you always ask them, how much do you make? And let's say it's five, 10, 15, 20 grand a month. Well, when you see their actual taxes, and by the time you see their adjusted gross after they claim all of their deductions, it may be $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month, when they are actually telling you they make 10, 15, $20,000 a month. So even if they have a bank statement that shows they're consistently putting in five, ten, twenty thousand dollars a month in that account from work that they're doing, and their tax returns show differently, you're saying that's not good enough. That's not good enough because the IRS says if you're not paying taxes on that money, then you can't count it to qualify for buying a mortgage. Okay, so that would explain. You know, everybody just gets. Well, I got good credit. I pay my bills on time. I make plenty of money. Why does you know? Why I've got a history that I've paid always paid my bills. Um, to do that, so yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate because for the self-employed borrower, it's just exactly what you said. I mean, you the, the tax code is set up for them to write off everything and reduce their tax liability as much as they possibly can. But yet, when they try to go out and buy a house, it's counterproductive. It works against them because they need to be able to show as much money as they need to show to be able to afford the house they want to. But yet, they filed their taxes for the last two years. Showing that they made none. Yeah. See, my friends make fun of me because I they say I pay way more in taxes than I should, which who who doesn't feel like they pay more in taxes yeah, than, exactly. uh, than they should, okay? But that being said, um, you know, being around this industry, I do realize that you have to be able to provide substantial proof that you do make a living so you can afford to buy houses or cars or, or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And as much as I don't want to pay taxes, I understand that paying taxes, first of all, is my God-given right living in this country. But secondly, um, it helped me to be able to, if I was going to buy a house, do that, and that's what people just can't seem to understand. Yeah, it's it's tough, tough thing because most of us have the CPAs that are coaching you to do the exact opposite. But once you get to this side of the situation, it's you see it from our side of the fence, and it's it's hard. But yet, you can go out and say you're pre-approved, and man, you can have a piece of paper in your hand in five minutes and go out and be looking. But yet, are you truly pre-approved? So unless you produce your tax returns, pay stubs. And your bank saves to show how your down payment's coming to the table for closing, you're really not pre-approved. So we're going to pick this conversation up on the other side of the break, but you can listen to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Uh. 
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WAC. You listen to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. I've been talking about the pre approval process and whether you're pre approved or if you're actually approved. And uh, before the break, we were going into the details of actually getting approved, producing your pay stubs, bank statements, tax returns, and stuff like that, especially if you're self employed, and the importance of letting somebody review all that uh, documentation. And um, I mean, it's just. It's best to get all that out on the table on the front end before you even start looking because... Because you're setting yourself up for heartache if you're not fully pre-approved. You're like out looking, let's make an offer. Fall in love. Yeah, you fall in love with a house and, oh, by the way, you haven't done your taxes in a year or two. So, guess what? Yes. You're not actually pre-approved or approved. So, one of the biggest things I always hear people complain about all the time with this process is why, why does it matter where the money came from? You know, why does it matter? Why does it matter if I got if I got mattress money or mom and dad gave it to me? That's what Tony Soprano used to always want to know. Well, exactly. You know, I mean, well, it's kind of where I'm getting. No, I'm really not getting to that point. But people are like, why does it matter? You know, so what? My mom and dad gave me money. Why do you care? As long as I got the money, why do you care? I personally don't, but yet the federal government does. Yeah. Why do they care? I mean, money laundering. Let's start from there. Yeah, but most people. Their mother gave them the money, True. or, or you know. there's gift letters to show that your mother gave True. you the money. For the most part, it's easily documentable through gift gift letters, gift documentation, and so forth. There's just been a lot of unfortunate circumstances when a lot of pe- a lot of people can equate and remember the financial crisis, the housing collapse that took place not too long ago, and when they went back and did an audit and looked at all of the stuff that went wrong, there was just just unbelievable things that they discovered. I mean, we just, that's that's like literally uh, like they weren't checking anything. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> they're like, do you have a job and a driver's license? You can buy a house. <laughs> don't answer that. Just sign here. But yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. But and it went to basically a full documentation world. Show me where everything's coming from. And one of the things that they have gone back to that's pretty pretty firm is we want to see where everything's coming from from a cash point of view on the cash to close. Every penny. FHA is the strictest about it. Um, they want to see every penny that comes to the table. And there's just several laws that we can get way off into the weeds about over that. But it just comes back to the the regulations and the and the banking laws about that. Conventional is way uh, way way more lenient because it's it comes not to that. a government loan. It's not a government loan. Um, there's a lot of flexibility with that, but yet. At the same time, there's still things that they're looking at. There's still things that they're wanting to document. Depends on the. It really all depends on a case by case on how it shows up on your documentation, and how we can position things, move around, and what we do and don't have to show. So if I'm just your average everyday average guy trying to buy a house, and my mom and dad think kindly of me and say, "Okay, son, you're a good son. I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars to go put down on a house." I can do that, right? Piece of cake. Okay. But I have to get them involved and not just take a check and go put it in my account, right? Yes, they'll have to sign at least a gift letter stating that they are gifting you that money for the purchase of that house. If they are doing just Don't they have to supply proof then that where that money came from? That's what I was just going to say. With the gift letter, they can sign it. And if it's a conventional loan, that they can have their bank sign it stating that it came from their bank account. If it's an FHA loan, the FHA loan requirements are that the person gifting the money has to produce their bank statement, showing that the money was there in their account to gift it. That's an FHA rule. 
And how much dollar-wise does that have to be for gift funds? Could it be five bucks? Could it be a thousand bucks? Is there like some sort of limit where the deposit has to come in? Any money that comes in from anybody to help buy the property as as a gift per se, it has to be documented and every, followed. Every penny coming to every penny going to the closing table has to be documented. Is there a maximum on how much they can accept? No. Hmm, okay. They can give the whole thing. Yep. Or however much they're going to put down. Yep. Here's a side note, though. What's that? Over $14,000 in one year, they're going to pay gift tax on that. That's a separate issue. Yeah, it's totally a separate issue, but just letting you know. Yeah, that's a separate issue. Well, we're not providing tax advice here uh, <laughs> on this show. We're strictly talking about the lending here to, uh, to do that. But uh, no, but that is a very valid point, uh, Jimmy, and I appreciate you bringing that up as well. But yeah, that's a question we're just always ask is why does it matter where the money's yeah. come from? It's, it's, we, we get that as well all the time. It's, it's frustrating. And for some people, it's no big deal, and we have to sometimes talk to parents or talk to aunts and uncles or other relatives and just walk them through and then offer to, hey, we'll talk to them directly for you, take you out of the middle, let them send the information directly to us. But if it's a conventional loan, it's definitely a much easier process. FHA is just – What if it's mattress money? I mean, I know a lot of folks who don't have bank accounts and just have this, they deal with a lot of cash. Then that means you need to be more prepared, start working on getting your pre-approval three – months in advance, put the money in the bank. Find the bank somewhere to put it in? Yep. But then it comes into more problems of how much cash you're depositing. Because if it's over $9,999... Separate issue. Separate issue with the bank at that point in time as far as the FBI Couldn't is concerned. could you just make a few deposits for 9999 Yeah. You could. Um, That's what Tony Soprano did. That's what he did. <laughs> Keep it under that $10,000 mark. See, look, these educational shows that are out there. <laughs> See, they're helping Jimmy out, and he doesn't even know it. So he's learning as learning how he goes here to do that. But yeah, I, try, I always actually try to tell people all the time that you know you guys aren't making the rules. You're just really trying to abide by the yeah. rules. And you know, it's not you guys. It's it's the the, either the federal government or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac right. who, who determines these guidelines. And you're basically checking the box. Yes. Uh, to uh, to go off and do that, and and it is a hassle, but it's yes, it just is. a method to the madness right now to get it done. Yep. Well, and I tell people. I say, look, you know, when you're getting a loan, they're going to ask you for paperwork. You're going to think you've sent them everything. Then they're going to ask for something else. I was like, it's going to be any lender you use. They have to have documentation. And keep in mind, they're giving you a large amount of money. Yeah, it's because people get frustrated. Well, they already asked for this or then they asked for this. And sorry, (laughs) we refer to as conditions either breed or lead to other conditions because you'll ask for bank statements and then you'll need an updated bank statement. And Let's say there was deposits you had to explain for whatever reason because of the guidelines, and then you received an updated bank statement, and now there's something on the updated bank statement that you did not see before because it's the updated bank statement, and now you have to ask about that because it's a new item. So it's just one of those things that like sometimes domino effect. it is sounds daunting. daunting. It, it it can be that it just depends on the borrower. It's it's the way a borrower handles their finances the way money is flowing in and out of their accounts some are easier than others it just it just really depends it's a case-by-case situation so but yet some it's people are more organized than others that's so. true too. No, that, is, that is true so it's some it's, people are just in a finance just not very good with financial no, stuff to no, uh, no. to do that okay so i got my pre-approval not my pre-qual my pre-approval your pre-approval. So, have you looked at my money already and everything? Yeah. Once you look, once we look at your money, we look at your your bank statements, your tax returns, um, your pay stubs. We have enough information. We run it through an automated uh, underwriting system. We typically have an approval at that point. We'll issue the commitment, not the commitment, the the pre-approval letter at that point to your realtor. 
so that you guys can effectively go out and look for a house. You're going to be in the right price point. We know that everything works from a numbers point of view. We'll know your range if you need to, you know, if you guys find something, hey, this thing's $10,000 more than what you pre-approved me for. Can we go up to it? We'll know that amount. Yes, you can. No, you can't. And you're off, to, you're off to the races and you're good to go. We're actually rolling out on our phone app um, to where we can put in those uh, qualifying criterias to where we'll program that in so when you guys are out in the field and making offers, you can set up and adjust your own pre-approval letter right there on the spot and issue as many pre-approval letters as you guys want right then and there. So you won't have to wait and call us anymore. It'll just be it'll be loaded into the system. You revise it, boom, there it goes. If it spits it out, you know you're within the the, the parameters of their approval. That's cool. So that's uh, actually I think that comes out in a couple of weeks. Um, but then after that, once we get everything, everything goes to the underwriter. Once you have a contract, that is everything goes to the underwriter, and then they issue an actual loan approval. That's where they sign off and everything, and you're pretty much who issues a loan approval. You underwriter. Only the underwriter. Your underwriter. Only the underwriters can issue a loan approval. Okay. Well, you just said they issue one. Yeah, so thank I was you. trying to figure out who, who the were. Underwriters. The underwriters. So these people hide behind the curtains or whatever or, or, or what? So these are people that work for you, I mean, that work for Waterstone. That's correct. And they're reviewing all the documentation, making sure everything's in line, that you've got everything you need. Something's missing. They tell you that. You have to go back to the buyer. Yep. And then as long as it checks all the boxes. Yep. And they give you the go. That's they it. They the go. That's it. So it don't sound that bad. No, it's easy. It is. I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit more complicated, but for the most part, it's really an easy process. It's just a matter of checking off the, the list. It really comes down to that. Hey, we got to jump out to another break. When we get back, we're going to finish up a couple lingo things, and then we're going to get into the rest of the show. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. And uh, we're going to wrap up our mortgage lingo here real quick with uh, closing costs and prepaid items. And a lot of people kind of confuse them. They think they're the same, but really they're not. The closing cost, the way I like to explain it is um, closing cost is like something you pay for that – it's a one-time charge to acquire the loan. To acquire the loan, to it's a state fee, it's a tax fee, it's a it's a title fee, it's um appraisal, it's appraisal fee, you know, anything like that. Credit check, flood check, exactly. It's all the stuff you have to have to qualify for the loan. Exactly. Prepaids, insurance, taxes, pr- renewal of property taxes that are coming back through, HOAs. Well, a lot of times I tell people that the closing costs, well, I don't tell people, but I kind of liken it to the closing costs are stuff to do with your lender and getting a loan, but the prepaids are stuff that have to do with you on an individual basis. You know, your lender doesn't control your insurance. There you go. Your lender doesn't control how much your interest is on. They do from from an interest rate standpoint, but the actual cost depends on what your loan amount is. Mm -hmm. They don't determine what your taxes are. Yep. They don't determine if you moved into a a neighborhood that has a homeowners association that you have to pay upfront dues on. All right. So this is all the stuff that's specific to to you and your purchase of your house that you're buying that the lender does not have control over. That's why he's the title guru. That's right. Chris Corvo, Midtown Title. So, yeah, so two different things. They are cumulatively all closing costs. Correct. When you think about it, but if you're getting really technical closing costs for the lender and prepaids are, it doesn't make a difference to do exactly. that. So, exactly. Yeah. So, 
And you were telling me about a call that you took took during the break. I did. I I wanted to bring Andrew in on here because I was. I know y'all were kind of looking at me like, "What in the yeah, world yeah. is he talking about over here?" And I had taken a call from <laughs> a from a client of mine, an agent of mine. The, the house he uh, he represented the seller, and the house sold about a month ago. And the buyers are now moving into the house, and they were, they said they want to take legal action against him and the seller. And I said, what? "Okay, well, why?" And he says, "Well." They're mad about the appliances. And I went, mad about the appliances? I said, what's wrong with the appliances? Are they broken? He goes, no, but they bought a new house, and they had really high-end appliances in their house. And so they asked me if they could take them. And I said, yeah, as long as you replace them. And so they sw- they bought new appliances for their house and took their nice ones with them to their new house. Do mm. what? Uh, was, yeah, and they just. They, this was after the people put the contract on the house. You know, it took them a couple of weeks to get moved in and everything. Uh, they were moving here for the buyers were moving here from another state, and they moved in and to the house. And there were these less than equal appliances <laughs> oh. to what was there. And so the agents, I said, "Well, who told him to do that?" He goes, "I told him it was okay." I said, "Well, did you disclose to the new to the buyers that these were not the same appliances?" He says, "Well, no, I didn't know that I had to." Do what? Yeah. Well, no, they have said recently. I mean, that is that is not correct at all. And you can revert back to say all items in the MLS, and if you have photos of those appliances in that kitchen, that counts. But they say that you're actually supposed to put the serial number of like the individual appliances, and that was a few years ago, and nobody really ever does that. But sometimes people will put Whirlpool stainless steel refrigerator just to like specify that right. refrigerator in that kitchen, right? But um, yeah, and a lot of times agents will write up the contract just to say all of, everything included listed in the MLS number, blah blah blah, and then in those photos, those appliances are listed. But no, that is so wrong. I mean, it's like, oh, I have a two thousand dollar fridge, but then I went and bought a two hundred dollar one and popped it in there and took mine. No, what? I can't believe a realtor would say that that no. was okay. No, no, no. Well, my response was, uh, I guess he's going to be buying. Uh, new appliances <laughs> yeah. for the buyer on that house and uh i mean I, I, the tennessee association of realtor contracts says that the property does include range stove built-in uh, appliances right. ovens microwaves and stuff so it so you're right it does not specifically give serial numbers on right. there to uh to do that but really if if people have seen the house they put a contract on it and those were the items that were in there you and sign you didn't a f- disclose that you changed them to something else or this is what's right. actually yeah. going to be in there if no you, if you changed them out before the buyer saw the house that's correct different story totally. Absolutely. well yeah before they saw it and put a contract on it yeah. yes um after the fact if there's been there's a form that's signed at the closing table that discloses whether there's been any change to the property, to the positive property, or negative. Positive or negative. You have to say yes or no. And so by them saying no, <laughs> the they said that everything's exactly the same. So And it's not. And it's there's been a material change to the condition of your property to do that. Wow. So so yeah, so for you uh, sellers out there who's thinking about selling your house and you love your appliances so much and you want to take them with you to the next house, uh, make sure your realtor is aware of that so they can negotiate that in your contract. And when that happens, in the MLS, you'll put, like, in the realtor notes, fridge does not convey, or, like, they're taking their refrigerator or whatever, you know, the appliance may be. If you're in love with it, you note, hey, they're not leaving this. Wow. So, yeah, so that was not the answer that my client, my agent, really wanted to hear. But, I mean, that's just it. I mean, if you... 
people don't even understand the curtains, the curtain rods, anything that's attached to the walls of that house. It's the house. It belongs yeah. to the house. Yeah. If you don't, if you want to keep those curtains that your grandma made you, that's in your room, you better specify that because if they are attached to that house, they are going uh, to do that. Now your normal furniture is not attached to the house. Your couch is just sitting on the floor mm-hmm. uh, to do that. But um, flat screen TVs. Yeah. That's part and of the they house. rechanged the contract to read TV wall mounts because yeah. people would take down their TV mount and leave a big gaping hole in their wall we went through this once and surprisingly of all places it was out in colorado with a house that had um this theater seating and um in the house had a big screen tv uh had a separate uh garage had all this equipment in it and everything else and it all came back to the appraisal guidelines basically not the guidelines but basically the appraisers said if it's bolted to the house in some way form or fashion it doesn't matter if it's like a, a the dishwasher the dishwasher is really only held in by two screws mm-hmm. but it's fastened attached to the to, cabinets it's a ca- exactly and the cabinets are attached to the floors and the walls it's part of the house it's part of the house at that mm-hmm. point in time microwaves bolted up to the bottom attached of the to the cabinets yep which attached to the walls to do part that so i know people don't think think that that's a big deal but it really is a big deal uh to uh for that to happen and people i'm telling you i can't tell you how many attorney letters our office has sent to people uh where they've removed stuff from the house um, yeah. after the sale for one reason or another uh to do that and in the uh, the contract's very very specific yeah. in this so if you want to keep it you got to be specific in the contract that says to the contrary yeah i mean blinds window treatments i mean anything if it's attached period yeah it's the house it belongs with the house Andrew, do you come across that a lot where people are asking uh, either for that kind of stuff or, or, or what can I keep or people just assume they know or do you prep, prep people for no, that? No, people will ask, well, what all is included? And I'll say anything attached, the, you know, the light fixtures, the curtain. I mean, I, I kind of point it out as it's written in the contract or as you're walking through the house. And because sometimes people will have like a custom shelf or like it's a room, but it doesn't have a big closet. So they buy a closet like system like and mount it to the wall. That's mounted to the wall. Yeah. So I, I, that counts yeah. unless they specify that it does not. So, yeah, that's one of the things I make notes of when, you know, you're looking at a house knowing you're writing an offer. I note everything that I think would be in question that they may take that they're not supposed to mm-hmm. and verify. Yeah. I guess that's the safest thing to do, right? Is just, yeah, if there's, just there's to something ask up front, question, hey, just this is staying, correct? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I like the way you write contracts. Cause, I mean, it's there's a lot of extra stuff in there, but yet, I mean, it's all hammered out. It's all addressed, and there's hardly ever any any kind of issues with your contract. You're not supposed to have any blanks in your contract. Some you people just fill blanks. out the bare minimum, like oh the God. price and yeah. the name of the buyer, and that's it. And you're like, uh, you didn't really fill this out. No, there's a lot of... I had a client. I had a client call me yes uh, yesterday. Said the same thing and said, "Hey, I've got a client who has a large tract of land, and they're going to it wouldn't sell. It's too big, and so they're going to sell the house in fifteen acres. So what do I do?" And I go, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, "Well, what do I do to get going?" I was like, "What? What did you tell the buyers they were buying?" He's like, "Well, just a house in fifteen acres." I said, "And they didn't ask what fifteen acres you were selling them?" He's like, "Well, no," and I'm like. Uh, you have to be specific about about what it is you're selling. You can't just say, "Hey, here's you're gonna get 15 acres and go from there." Um, to do that, so I mean, that's just kind of the scary stuff that I'm seeing out in the in the field right now. Is I mean, these people agreed to buy this house on 15 acres. They like the house and they were happy to get 15 acres. They didn't know what 15 that that consists of. It could have made a Z shape across this property. Who knows? <laughs> you know, uh, to uh, to do that. And uh, so these are all the stuff that's going on, going on. So. 
you know, you have to be specific when you're writing these contracts. As much as you think it's blatant and plain, I'm telling you, when the time comes, push comes to shove, it's going to be a matter of the courts. Yeah. Yeah, I have a question about that when we come back from break. All right. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here at News Radio 1510 WLAC. Can't talk all of a sudden. Yeah, 1510 News Radio WLAC. Thank you, Chris Corvo. We'll be right back. Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show where we talk all things real estate. Man. Final segment for today. Went by I, fast. Yeah, it has been. Or for us, I hope everybody. Else. <laughs> everybody else is gonna be like, man, get them off. <laughs> Maybe not. No, no. It's been a been another good show, man. Another good show. We've kind of skimmed through or hit a bunch of stuff that we wanted to talk about with the. Um, uh, if you're thinking about buying a, ho- a house or a home, um, why you want to get pre-approved ahead of time? Because otherwise, you're gonna be looking in the wrong price price point. Potentially, you're gonna find the dream house and all of a sudden you're going to get heartache and you're not going to be able to qualify for it. So the pre-approval is just, just I cannot stress it enough, not to mention too many people think that they have to have excellent credit and too many times people think they have to have like a 700 plus score or whatever. Or, or they think they have to have 20% down. 20% down or something like that. And that's just not true. I mean, you can get away with zero down in some cases, which not big fans of that, uh, but that's a personal thing. But yet we can do 100% financing. We do provide 100% financing at Waterstone. Um, most loan programs are three, three and a half percent down. So I mean, you do not have to have the 20% down. Then credit scores. I mean, the average credit score out there is, you mean between? Uh, I'm losing my numbers here. Uh, 53% of the loans done. I can't remember the, or I don't see the time period on this article, but between 600 and 749, 53%. That's a bit wide discrepancy right yeah. there. That's pretty wide. Well, I mean, also it takes a big stress level off too. If you're getting in that car looking at houses and you don't you don't know if you can afford it, I mean, it's already stressful enough buying a house, but yeah. not knowing that you can financially pay for it or what you're comfortable with, knowing that you have that in your back pocket going out, it should eliminate a ton of stress yeah. from people. Yeah. I mean, and I don't go showing people property that haven't called a lender and gotten the ball rolling. And even people that go, oh, yeah, no, I can't. I, I called a year or two ago. I know my credit's good. I'm like, no, you need no. to call and double check. People have your name. There's discrepancies on credit reports. Yes. Your job may have changed. You don't You don't know. Yeah, back you in the day, you just in. hop in the car, didn't you, and just yeah. go. And, like, Let's go. But uh, <laughs> I think a lot it. of people have gotten on that page now where – they have to. Ha- they want that information up front, so everybody yeah, well, knows. And, and then, as the buyer, you're going to know comfortably what you can afford, and you know these things that if you blindly go look, even if you are pre-approved, you don't have a. It's more. It's setting you up to for success to have a game plan by having a lender already pre-approve you. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, otherwise, I mean, you're just playing Russian roulette, man. I like to know how many people actually buy as much as they qualify for or how many people actually pay less I mean want want to spend less I mean how many when you see oh, people who I'd get say, qualified let's say they qualify for 400 grand you think most people go right to that price mm-hmm. point or they're going to what they no. what they think they they want to afford or pay I'd for I'd say it's about half and half I have some people that are qualified for way more than they comfortably would buy Yeah and then I have some that stretch it to the max Yeah so it just depends on the people Gotcha One of my typical questions is what are you comfortable with as far as a monthly mortgage payment. Yeah. Where where are where do you want that payment to be? 
and more often than not, that payment is far less than what they can truly afford. Well, you just see those house shows, you know, and I know they're TV, so I don't want to act like the internet's the truth and all that stuff's the truth about everything. But you know, let's say they qualified for four hundred grand, the realtor's out showing them four thirty, yeah. four fifty right <laughs> out the gate, and it's like, how do you know they want to spend four thirty or four fifty out right. the gate uh, to uh, to do that? Uh, so I just I was always wondering, just you know, how much of that actually is fact or fiction? People say, yeah, I can qualify for four hundred, but I really only want to spend three hundred because I need my payment to be here to be comfortable, right? I think that there's some truth in that, depending on the price range you're at, and depending on where they're at and what their their pre-approval is, and where they're wanting to be, where they're wanting to live geographically, location-wise, because certain price points and where they're wanting to be just don't seem to work in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes it's like someone's qualified for, let's just say, 200, and they want to be in, I don't know, East Nashville. Let's just throw a place out there, mm-hmm. but they want to be a specific area. And it might be, look, you've got to be, you've got to be a little bit further over here, a little bit further over there, or you've got to oh, come yeah, up a little bit higher, kind of thing. I'm like, oh, that ain't happening. I want to live in Lachlan Springs, and my budget's two hundred. Well, that ain't gonna happen. I'm right. sorry, <laughs> just isn't gonna happen. Exactly. So you you see the stuff moving around. So would you actually go show people if you want to live here? This is what it would take to uh, depends on the people to do that. Just to set uh, just to get people have a realistic expectation. And honestly, a lot of people will answer their own questions when you go out and show them. I mean, I had some buyers that we closed. We showed them forever. And when I started out, her budget was two twenty five and under. And I went, <laughs> I know and we about. went and looked, and I mean, every house I showed them was just like, oh, ooh, need nope. cleaning, or it was just a <laughs> no. And they, and I couldn't read them to begin with. They were just like, oh, you know, looking around instead of saying, this is awful, I would never live here. Well, then they're like, well, maybe we should bump up a little to two seventy five. Well, maybe we should look up to three hundred, and then mm-hmm. they ended up buying a house for like three oh five. So, because that was, you know. But it took them going out and physically seeing what was two twenty five to realize, uh, this ain't gonna cut it. Right. So. But I also think that's the same way with people that, you know, they're not, you know, they're not used to this market. Yeah. You know, like the days on market, you know, that just uh, uh, tick down again. Which days on market here is. Like just, one, yeah, it's a stupid. Depending on where, I have hours. some buyers right now. I've had just the hardest time with, and they've had just kind of just bad luck. But you know, they started out with we want a yard and we want this and we want that. Now it's just like okay, well, I, I could live here. Let's write an offer. Yeah, and they're like I've thrown the yard out the window because that's mm-hmm. I'm just not going to get everything I want. Right. I, now I just want to buy home. Right. And I mean, and I hate that because usually what where it works out though, and they find what they are meant to have and love and all of that, and I, I like to say that that's going to happen for them, but you know, some it's frustrating right now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely definitely a housing shortage, and I mean, there's all sorts of different reports that are coming out now, and I mean the the one of the latest ones, uh, the National Association of Realtors. Um, was talking about the inventories have dropped now for the 24th consecutive month, uh, down to 4.2 months supply. And, I mean, what's... Which is not even just realistic number here. No, That's I on mean, a national level, correct? Right. I was just going to say, what do you even think it is here in Nashville? I mean, it's probably that number, but you're talking about, and Andrew's the expert, so I don't even need to talk on this, but you're talking about either quality inventory or... or 
places that you and I would probably never drive by and uh, <laughs> and go to. So I think the number of yeah. quality inventory where people everyday people would go live is well, and it's like affordability too. I mean, like yes. for example, East Nashville right now has a ton of houses that are like three fifty to four fifty because all these builders have torn them down and built them. Now they may be attached or. You know, there's tons of new builds, and there's a random price point that's kind of flooded. But every price point or below that, there's nothing. So you have, I mean, and that's one of the only neighborhoods that I know of that does have a an excess in a certain price point. But it's not stuff really anybody is jumping in line to buy. Right. So they're kind of sitting there trying to get rid of them. But under that price point, there's nothing. So everything that lists right under the certain little tick is just fought over. So. I mean, it's it's a lot of it's affordability. I mean, I have buyers that are if you're two fifty and under and you want to live in Davidson and you have a cert a few zip codes you don't want to go to, you're it is really hard. It's really hard. Let's say that's that's a tough one. Yeah, on top of that, you've got the shortage, but yet the existing home sales are just continuing to surge. Where month over month they're up another one point one percent. Sales are on an annual pace of five point six two million. I mean, that's on pace for 2.7% up uh, for year over year. So, I mean, sales are continuing to go up while inventory continues to go down. Mm-hmm. And it's just like yeah. something's got to give. Our May was better than our June. I mean, I don't know if it's because of vacations and stuff as far as the number of units that we closed. But, uh, you know, some of it is, is just a lack of inventory here. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, I represent a lot of builders. I handle closings for a lot of builders. And I know in June, a lot of my builders were able to finally purchase a lot of lots because they the lots had finally gotten done to where they can start building on them. Because as David Lukey has said from Capital Homes before, you know, it's like a 24-month period to get yeah. the, day, the day you get that raw piece of dirt and turn it into a lot. Mm-hmm. And so these developers have been trying to get these lots off. And I had builders probably bought 50 or 60 lots. Um, just in June alone. So there's finally land inventory, tr- some trying to come on, uh, but still that's going to take six more months to build houses uh, for those as well to go. But it's uh, it, it would be very challenging for somebody to get affordable housing in Davidson County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, Joint Center for Housing, uh, housing Studies at Harvard uh, just released their 2017 State of the, Na- uh, State of the Nation's Housing and uh, one of their statements was, for the fourth year in a row, the inventory for homes for sale across the U.S. not only failed to recover, but dropped yet again um, in this year. At the end of 2016, they were historically low at 1.65 million homes for sale nationwide, which at the current rate was just 3.6 months supply, almost half of the six six months levels that the six month level that is considered a balanced market. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we should have a six month supply nationwide, and we have less than or three. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just you just can't build them fast enough right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is some disconnect between what people, what people can afford and what goes on the market as well. You know, I mean, that's a different radio that, show talking about stagnant absolutely. wages or or what people are making as opposed to what housing prices are doing right now. Uh, to uh, uh, to folks in you know, but I can I, just being in the business. Dirt has gotten so expensive mm-hmm. in in town that there's no way to produce a two hundred thousand dollar house because the dirt's costing two hundred thousand yeah. uh, dollars to mm-hmm. do that. So short of buying like a one bedroom condo, which nowadays anymore is probably you know in a downtown area, depending on where it's at, is 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 still going to push you over that two hundred absolutely thousand dollar threshold. But I mean, the average person. I mean, I've got. 
lots of employees who make average, you know, who are making okay, decent wages, but exactly. um, they're not making executive level wages, and there's no way they could afford a house in town. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, downtown. I mean, heck, I mean, they're all driving. They're all driving in from the out from the outlying areas because uh, because of this. That's where they can, you know, people the average person can afford to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Man, it's been a great show. Flown by. But hey, if you missed any of the show, check us out on moneymanandmike.net or out on Facebook at moneymanandmikeradio. Uh, for Chris, Andrew, and I, this is Mike. We're out. You guys have a great week.